This is Framework Leadership. I'm Ken Engel, and you're listening to Framework Leadership, a podcast about how to bring your personal life and organization to the next level. Today, I'm sitting down with Darius Daniels. Darius is a cultural architect, trendsetter for this generation. He and his wife, Shamika, are the founders and lead pastors of Change Church. I can tell you it's a thriving ministry with multiple locations. Dr. Darius is a certified personal coach, speaks frequently in seminaries and churches across the country, and it's a pleasure to welcome you to the podcast, Darius. I'm excited. It's my honor to be here. Thank you for having me and allowing me to contribute and participate. Yeah. Hey, let's first, let's jump into your background. Uh, You've, you know, you're, you love education and you believe in educational stewardship. You have your bachelor's, master's, doctorate. Uh, and you talk often about the value of education. What's the greatest lesson you've learned as you have done educational stewardship in your life? <laughs> this is this is going to be um, this is going to be probably very disappointing and underwhelming for people. <laughs> Here it is: ignorance is expensive. Ah, that's good. Yeah, I um, I think my passion for. I don't know if I had a passion for school as much as I had a passion for learning. And my passion for learning came from paying the price of just being uninformed in certain areas. And so I do believe that in some areas of life and leadership, you don't go to the next level until you grow right. to the next level. And I think that's that's probably <laughs> my Non-profound answer to that question. Yeah. And, and and so, how do you how do you discipline your life to be a to integrate faith, learning, and life pretty much on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, for me, it starts with the idea that my uh, the most dominant word that describes my identity, first and foremost, is I'm a disciple. Mm. I'm a disciple. I'm a follower of Christ, and uh, that informs the way I do everything the way I try to be a husband, the way I try to lean into my kids as a father, the way I try to be a friend. And so disciple at its core, it means learner. Right. And formal education is not the only route to that. But for me, I guess with, um, I don't know, maybe the nature of my call or just for whatever reason, God in his providence just had that to be one of the primary routes of learning for me. And I think it, it just kind of starts from there that at your core, you're a disciple. It means apprentice and learner. So we should all in some way never leave the posture of a student. Yeah, that's good. You and your wife, uh, Shamika, founded Change Church together. Uh, what was it like to step out together in that adventure and that journey of starting this fresh and new? Hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hard, experimental, frustrating at times, but rewarding, beneficial. I think um, I heard someone say one time, if the road you're traveling is always easy, that means you're rolling downhill. Yeah. So, um, you know, back when we planned, we didn't plant, we started. <laughs> so it wasn't as strategic as some church plants are today, but it was, it was very rewarding in the sense of not just kind of what God did through us, but more so what God did in us. And, and I do believe that, that there are some things that God calls us to that put a demand on us in terms of our own growth, and we wouldn't grow that way mm. if we didn't shoulder that responsibility that that he get, gave us to steward. Yeah. 
And how do you, you did it together? So how uh, t- talk to me? What is it is it like to lead together in that? Yeah, I think I think it fleshes itself out different differently with different couples, but with with for us. It was just um, not trying to over-spiritualize it, but it was God-ordained in the sense that there were gifts, skill sets, abilities God gave me that he didn't give her. But then there were gifts, skill sets, and abilities that God gave her that he didn't give me. So I am the, this is where we're going. This is why we go, we're going. This is um, when we need to go. I'm that person. And she is the, okay, this is how we're going to get there. And I just think um, in my context and in my relationship, God just worked it out that way. And um, it doesn't have to be that way for everyone. It shouldn't be that way for everyone. But I think it's just a recognition of the gifts that God's given you and um, utilizing those and, and maximizing, for, maximizing them for kingdom return. Yeah. You, uh, you're a personal life coach as well as, uh, you know, great pastor and leader. How do you, how do you, how do those two work together in what you do? I mean, they seem to have great complementary values and how do you approach using and blending both? Yeah. Well, one, I think um, when I look at the way Jesus, um, so I would call Jesus a transformational leader, Right. right? So But when I look at the primary, one of the primary tools he used to transform, especially those he was leading with, the disciples, it was coaching. Um, He wasn't always mentoring and teaching, but he was was asking probing, reflective questions. And so he was doing, in a sense, what a coach would do. Uh, I think one way we say it nowadays is, you know, you can give people fish or you can teach them how to fish. fish, yeah. Yeah, and so I think Jesus did a lot of teaching how to fish. My motivation for it, though, wasn't just like revelation. It was also experiential. I got to a point in my leadership where I realized I was living right. By that, I mean morally. But I wasn't living well. I wasn't, there there was inconsistency with my proclaimed values and my actual priorities. I was overwhelmed. I was frustrated, wasn't managing time well. And I... I recognized that I needed something more than just prayer and Bible study. I needed somebody to help walk me through how to actually apply and implement some of the stuff that I was learning in church into my day-to-day life and also fill in some of those gaps because it was like at church, people teach you how to pray. They don't teach you how to manage your time. You don't learn how to manage your time. You're not going to pray. So, yeah, I think I had that experience. It changed my life. And I said... I want to use part of the time God gives me on this earth to do for others what my coach did for me. Yeah. So how you you mentioned time management? How do you because that's a that's an issue for all of us in yeah. in many ways uh, and, and, and to bring balance in in growth and health. But how do you do time management? Yeah, me personally. Yeah, yeah. So for me, obviously, you don't manage time; you manage your priorities and your energy. Yeah. And so for me, it's not a matter of like time management in the sense of organizing your time, um, that's important. But you can have organized time and not use your time in a way that lines up with your priorities. That's good. And so for me, it began with clarifying, all right, what are my actual life core values? And if you're a leader, you're probably doing that for your organization. You probably got vision, mission statement, values for your organization. But it's important to have that 
for, to me, it's important to have that for your life also. What are my values in order of priority? Now, what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do in a daily rhythmic or weekly rhythmic way to make sure those priorities are being met? And, um, you know, sometimes I get to do the, the things I like to do at the same time every day. Sometimes I don't because life happens. Yeah. But because they're, the priorities are in the rhythm of my week, I get to end weeks not living perfectly but productively. And the saying is, if you shoot for the stars, you at least hit the moon. So no one's going to manage it perfectly, but you can manage time. You can manage time productively. Yeah. You uh, change churches, multiple locations, uh, New Jersey uh, and Florida. How how did you and your team come to the decision to expand? You know, New Jersey and Florida. What how, what what was behind accidental? Okay, okay. <laughs> so that's right. This is the non the most non profound <laughs> podcast ever. Yeah, it was accidental. We we begin to see. Los Angeles, it was like organic. I mean, people just started meeting and having watch parties, et cetera. I was on an overseas trip and I had to lay over in Los Angeles. So I decided to just do a meet and greet. We decided to do a service instead of a meet and greet. And then we had people came out. We saw it was a hunger for it. And it was weird because we didn't feel that we were supposed to put a traditional expression of church mm. there. We like a, a we could have made a video campus or anything like that, but we did feel like we were supposed to put some missional expression of church there. So instead of making it uh, a multi-site campus, we did some a microsite, an extension site, where for a while they did every they came together and gathered and they did everything via video, and then we kind of switched and progressively moved them out of that into live worship and then video teaching, but. Um, that kind of happened that way. Orlando, um, not, not quite the L.A. story. We were exploring um, where God wanted us to do something next. And my wife and I just realized we loved the city. We had vacationed in the city. We were, uh, and we just decided to add value to the city we loved yeah, yeah. and uh, planted a campus there. She was having, like, dreams and visions. And I never looked at Orlando that way, but... Over time, I got a burden in my heart for the city. Yeah. You, you and your wife have two children, travel and speak. Um, how, how do you integrate family time and family life in what you do? Yeah, it's, it's, it's been really different based on the seasons of life my kids were in. So when they were younger, it was get out of my room. They get older, it's come out of come your out. room. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? yeah. So the point that I'm making is when they were younger, they were pretty much at home every day when school was out. And so when it came to the way I managed my life and schedule, I kind of took that into consideration. My days ended a little earlier, and I wanted to be there when they got home and connect with them as much as I could. As they got older and they begin to engage in extracurricular activities. If I'm at home at three o'clock, it's just me looking at the walls, you know what I'm saying? So um, for me, it's just a matter of, this is my dad, I'm a PK. So I kind of model what my dad did for me. And that is be more intentional about getting into their world than you are about bringing them into yours. I want to bring them into my faith but I want to normalize their life as much as possible. Yeah. So I was way more interested in getting into their world than them getting into mine. If you want to come travel with me, 
uh, while I speak, fine, but I'm not putting any pressure on you to do that. Um, but I am going to be at all of your games and yeah. I am going to lean into your life because I feel like it's my responsibility to get into your world way more than it is for them to get in mine. That's great parenting. I, I want to ask you, you know, in a recent podcast interview, you said uh, rejection is direction. Mm-hmm. And and when talking about uh, your journey through life, rejection is a part of life, but can be tough at times to swallow. So what's, I guess, what's the best way to handle rejection and how do you get stronger through mm-hmm. the process? Yeah. So I do believe at times rejection is direction, at least in some experiences I've had in my life, God has used closed doors mm. to prevent me from walking in the wrong rooms. That's been helpful. I think one of the things that uh, I would say to the second part of the question in terms of how a person manages that, uh, you're right, it's inevitable. The question is whether or not I'm going to manage it in a healthy way. Mm. And I don't believe, this is what I don't believe, I don't believe just constantly exposing yourself to rejection (laughs) makes you better at dealing with it. I do think what helps and what's necessary when it comes to rejection is asking yourself really tough questions about why is this rejection affecting me this way? Does that make sense? So sometimes we feel like rejection causes problems. I believe rejection more often than not exposes Mm. problems. Am I getting too much of my value from the opinions of people? Um, What do, what, if, if I'm trying to get into a certain school or a certain program, if I don't get in, am I attaching my value and my identity and my worth to an acceptance or a denial And so I feel like looking at what is rejection showing me about my heart and then dealing with those heart issues that rejection is showing me is actually the best way to deal with it. Because more often than not, rejection hurts more than it should because we're placing more value on the thing that's rejecting us than we should. Yeah, that's that's rich. You know, you... you, uh... You are around so many incredible leaders, both in ministry and business and in many ways. And uh, what's the best piece of leadership advice you've you've received in your life? And how have you applied that in a significant so, way? Yeah, so there probably, probably wouldn't be one specific statement. A few come to my mind, though. So one is this. Be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was huge. That's, that was a John Maxwell um, John Maxwell-ism there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside. Because eventually, when you're, ex- when you're when a person, as most leaders are, right, when you're gifted in some way, your gift, even biblically, people's gifts was never the problem. So it wasn't the gift, it was them. David's issue wasn't his gift, it was him. Moses' issue wasn't his gift, it was him. Gideon almost didn't step into his calling because of his own insecurity. God had to talk Jeremiah out of, insecurity with his youth and things of that particular nature. So be bigger on the inside than you are on the outside was really, really significant uh, dealing with self-leadership and personal growth. And then um, the second is this. It applies to business, but I think it applies to life also. And that is, if you're going to sell something, have something worth buying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. You What, as a leader, what brings you life and what are the struggles that you as a leader 
feel at times? Uh, because, I mean, we, we have that. We have Yeah, that. definitely. So I'm going to talk about it in the context of leadership only, because I, I think for many leaders, there are probably aspects of your leadership responsibility that you love more than others. And uh, so for me, there are things I kind of tolerate um, and lean into only because of something that I love more. And so for me, what gives me life would probably be um, pouring into developing and transforming not just other leaders, but um, people, period. So my heart, my passion, without a doubt, is transformation. Mm -hmm. um, so for some people, let's say, who, who have evangelistic giftings and let's say they're called in that area. When someone, let's say a person comes to faith, then that person is going to be, yes. They're going to say to themselves, yes, job well done. But when it comes to my passion and my heart, when someone comes to faith, I say, finally, now we can get to work. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's kind of my passion, right? Uh, some of the struggles are all of the organizational leadership dynamics right. that you have to deal with in order to see transformation. Yeah. Budgets and buildings and staff and things of that, org charts and things of that nature. Those are things that I lean into because I love this other thing more. And I know I can't see the type of transformation without effective organization. So do you build your team with that in mind? I do. I'm, this is weird, but I'm of the philosophy and of the perspective that team building should be customized. Mm. Sometimes not based on, but in consideration of the gifts and the strengths of the leader and, and the calling. And so, yeah, I have to have team, a team around me that carries a lot more of some of those other things that I tolerate. Because some of the things I'm tolerating, some people on my team love. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they love meetings. Right. I'm like, I, I, I get allergic. I start breaking out in meeting hives. I don't know. I want to, um, a couple more questions and we'll close this out. Uh, your latest book, Relational Intelligence, talks about the importance of uh, relationships and how to make the most of them. What inspired you to write this book? And what is that key relational drive that would help us in 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 the day-to-day -day relationships. Yeah. That we work with. So the same thing. So um, two things, yet the same thing inspired me to write the book. All right. So one is in my personal life and then also in my pastoral ministry, this is what I saw. I hit a season where I saw it's clear as day. In my life and others' lives, their greatest joy and greatest pain was coming from the same place. Mm. It was relationships. Yeah. And I began to see that people got along with God a lot better than they got along with each other. <laughs> ah, <why? laughs> you know, yep. and uh, and I started looking for resources just on like relationships in general. And what I saw was like a vacuum. Most of the books or whatever was out there was on marriage, dating, parenting, but nothing just on how to manage this whole other side of your relational life. And so I just began to study scripture yeah. and um, pull principles from Jesus's life. Yeah. Uh, and um, tried to take some of those things that I saw in the way that he managed relationships, not just emotionally, but intelligently, the way he managed them, um, and put that in book form and, uh, and see if it could, it could bless people. So I actually got the idea probably eight years ago. So I studied it. I taught it in sermon form. I lived it for a while, and then finally felt like it was time to write the book because I didn't want to just write a book. That's, that's a lot of time. 
And when you're a pastor, it's really, it's busy. It could be distracting. Yeah. Um, so I didn't want to just write a book. I wanted to help people. And so that's why I waited a while to do it. And the, the heart of the book is this. Um, stewarding your relational life well is not selfishness. It's stewardship. If you don't get this part right, you don't get relationships right, you don't get life right. It's that simple. And everyone is to be loved biblically without conditions, valued equally, but treated differently based on the fruit that's coming from the tree of their life. Yeah, that's good. Wow. And, and emotional intelligence plays a key part of that as well, right? I mean, I've often thought um, there's not a relational problem or challenge that we can't face without, if we would just implement the emotional intelligence of even the fruit of the Spirit. So, <laughs> yes. I mean, if we just, if we just <laughs> follow that, I mean, so how, how does now that I feel bad. No, I no. feel bad. I didn't put that in the book. I feel so dumb. <laughs> it's like, how you write a book and you didn't put the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. That's kind of important. Yeah. So, but Maybe how, in a revised version. Yeah. But how do you, um, how, when you step in a room, because a lot of leaders, honestly, they miss this. Yeah. How do, how do you read people so that you can approach it in a way? that really meets the challenge, the need, the issue, the conflict. Yeah. So this is my philosophy, right? When Jesus says, know a tree by the fruit it bears, sometimes it takes time to do that. And so knowing a tree isn't judging a tree. Like if, if I see oranges, I'm not going to say that's an orange tree, that, that's terrible. I need, to, I need to know the tree to, so I can place the tree, not to judge it. And so for me, it's really difficult to do that short term. So my philosophy is this. Deal with people right? Deal with people based on the fruit you see in the season, season you're right. in yeah. with the time that you have. That's good. Yeah, that's right on. Wow. Well, uh, I want to close, close our time together with three quick questions. I always ask these questions to every guest that we have on the podcast. First one is this. Um, you have a day when your calendar's cleared and you've been mandated by your church staff. It has to be a perfect day. What's a perfect day look like for you? This is about to be underwhelming. Naps, <laughs> Netflix, and video games. Wow. I'm a gamer. That's I great. still play unashamedly. I got a Nintendo Switch in my backpack right now with 2K20 <laughs> on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I, I bet you that does help you unwind in so many ways. Big time. Big that's, time. That's great. Uh, what historical leader, living or dead, would you love to have a cup of coffee with? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Yeah. Wow conversation that would be yes man that's good final question what's your next big dream you want to accomplish wow creating a netflix for life change wow yeah that's it that would be great. a netflix for life, life change. change yep all right we're gonna look forward to seeing that happen hey thank you for joining us dr darius i, I want to tell you just sitting here with you and your commitment to, you know, our, our, our university, our mission is all about helping students discover and develop their divine design mm -hmm. uh, so they can serve. And um, your commitment to design the way God made you and wired you so then you can go and be a good steward of that learning uh, and, and, and developing your faith and then integrating all that with life. It's powerful. And, and your message is, is needed. And I'm so grateful that you're 
with us here at SU Conference, and you're about to hit the stage and yeah. and uh, and uh, really give a great word from the Lord to our students. So thank you for joining us on this. I want to say, if you want to hear more from uh, Pastor Darius Daniels, visit D, uh, DariusDaniels.com. Is that correct? Yes, DariusDaniels.com. Any other any other ways that we can connect with you? Everything is Darius Daniels. All right, that's every. It's on everything. Darius Daniels. All right, that's it. Hey, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Appreciate it. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you, family. To connect with Kent, visit kentingle.com. Also make sure to follow him on Twitter at Kent Ingle and on Facebook at kent.ingle. Thanks for listening to Framework Leadership.